Hello and welcome back to Property Matters on Dublin South FM and on iProperty Radio with myself, Carol Tallon. You can contact us on social media at iProperty Radio or email hello at iPropertyRadio.com. Uh, joining us this week is a returning guest, Ali Harvey, founder of the Collaborative Town Centre Health Check Programme within the Heritage Council. And we've spoken to Ali before in the context of um, urban regeneration, rural ge- regeneration, and of course, placemaking in the broadest sense, we're, we're really communicating with the community. Ali, you're very welcome. Thank you for joining us today. Hi, great to be back. Um, Ali, you and I overlap on so many um topics you know particularly around placemaking and I think you know at the heart of all uh you know planning construction real estate um conversations are the communities and sometimes that's not I suppose represented enough so you might just talk people through what is I mentioned you're the founder of the collaborative town centre health check program within the heritage council you might just explain what that program is and why it's important Okay, so the program uh, really, I suppose, business leaders started to come to me in 2016. Uh, the first person to come to me was Tara Buckley from RG Data. And she, we, we met at a conference actually, and she said, Ali, can you help with the town centres? You know, we really need some help. Um, and I suppose my background, I, I, you know, I was in the private sector for nine years. So I kind of was um, thinking, well, okay, well, if the private sector and the business leaders need help, like it's obviously true, do you know what I mean? Um, so I kind of just set about trying to set up a program that would help town centres, historic town centres. But in that first year, I didn't actually have any budget. So um, then I started to approach the universities, the academics, um, the ITs, you know, now the TUs, whatever. So um, and asked those people to work with me and then created a 15 step methodology. So that's our phase one baseline methodology, 15 steps. So all the towns, you know, use the same methodology, which means that we are able to compare and contrast the results so yeah it was very much the business leaders at the start and then I suppose about two years in three years in maybe the local authorities started to come on board then we started in 2019 the program started to advocate for a town centre first policy so I put in a policy submission to the Louth County Development Plan calling for town centres first that we needed that policy in the country and it seems kind of weird now thinking we didn't actually have a policy for town centres you know in, in the country a national policy so that was great and then that was included in the programme for government in 2020 um, TCF and also the CTCHC programme so I think we're on pages 12 and 13. Um, so yeah I have 15 towns in the programme and I have a waiting list of over 50 towns to come into phase one so it's a four phase programme um, and really you know at the minute we're just trying to look at funding um, opportunities with Europe and stuff like that so very um, exciting. It, it is exciting, but it's so necessary. And you mentioned there that it's it's strange or weird that we didn't have a town centre programme. But yet, if you look at our towns over the past 20 to 30 years, I think it's very obvious we didn't have a programme where we have retail centres and huge sprawling car parks on the outskirts of towns and on ring roads and the insides, you know, within the town centre is being lost. And particularly after five, six o'clock in the evening, you know, there's no activity. Um, let's just kind of go, go back almost to the start there. You know, you mentioned it's a 15 step methodology. How do you bring towns? Each town is so unique in terms of character, culture, heritage and size and um, educational and and uh, work opportunities. How do you bring them? How do you design a methodology that will work for um you know kind of a, a small town in county clare or a large town that is essentially within the commuter belt of dublin yeah i mean that's a really interesting question in terms of the scale 
Um, so, you know, I suppose the towns, because as I say, the, the lack of funding at the start, I sort of focus on the larger towns than Tipperary. Um, you know, there was one town, Tipperary town, where they actually marched in the streets. Um, so I got a phone call from one of the ministers and asked, would I help with that? So we set up a CTCHC project in Tipperary towns. So, um, and that was around the same time as the task force, Tipperary task force was set up. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a really interesting sort of, you know, what I would recommend for the smaller towns is that they should be done in clusters. So, you know, I've got Dundalk, which is a large town, 40,000 plus. Um, I'm just about to start in Drogheda. Uh, we're just about to publish Kilrush. Um, we've got Sligo, uh, Letterkenny. Yeah, different different population sizes. But I suppose, you know, really what we do need to do is to um, try and get those large towns, like the two towns. I, I mean, I've drawn has waited over two years for a CTCHC. Um, and we did Kilkenny last year. So Kilkenny was published in December with Malcolm Noonan. Um, and also those two towns, Drahada and Dundalk, are on, you know, an EU trade route. Um, but I suppose my, my, you know, the West of Ireland is really struggling. So it was to try and sort of pick up that Western seaboard. Um, and again, you know, when I was starting out with the program, I tried to sort of, you know, pitch it and position it for Europe. So we were looking at the border towns because Brexit was obviously, you know, had just been voted for in um, England and Wales. And um, yeah, we were trying to make sure that those towns along the border, Dundalk, Letterkenny, um, Sligo, um, uh, Ballyshannon had their baselines, you know, um, and it's really, really important that we have that so that, you know, we can sort of deal with those shocks, those external shocks that had nothing to do with um, our country as such. Um, and as I say, Kilrush now, we're going to be publishing that in the next few weeks and just doing the peer review of the land use survey, which is step two of the 15 steps. So, yeah, I mean, it's difficult because obviously, you know, the resources, we've got to make sure that we, um, you know, are value for money, that we deliver all the time, which which the programme, like, you know, it's, it's operating on a shoestring at the minute. Um, and it really needs investment under the programme for government. But yeah, definitely clusters, that kind of, you know, um, a network. You know, I, I'm looking as well very much towards Scotland, Denmark, um, Holland, you know, what are they doing? So like in Scotland, they've got their Scotland's Towns Partnership. We don't have that organisation in Ireland. It was something that I recommended at the Eroctus in January 2022 was that Ireland needs like an Ireland's Towns Partnership that would help everybody sort of learn and share together and would also bring, you know, the, the relationship, the partnership that we've created with the CTCHC, with the private sector and the public sector all working together. Like that's the future. You know, um, it, it isn't going to work unless we have the private sector in there working working with the public sector. Joy, I'm so glad you've made that point because a lot of uh, regeneration initiatives seem to be public sector led and there isn't a great effort. While there might be uh, some effort to bring the community, I would argue not enough of an effort to bring the community along with them, but there's almost zero effort to bring the public, the private sector uh, business community along with them that we absolutely need. And in fact, I, I can point to some regeneration and placemaker projects that we've been involved in where that was absolutely part of, of maybe the downfall of it. So we're, we're not good. And I suppose the clues in the title, your program starts with collaborative. So the clue is in the title. It is about collaboration. But I think in practice, we haven't been very good. at it. I think we're very good in placemaking it saying all the right buzzwords, say, mm. you know, doing the nice program releases, doing the nice brochures. But actually, when it comes down to the nitty gritty of working together, I don't think we've cracked that between the public and private sector at all. And I say that as somebody who's been involved in it for a decade and a half. And, um, you know, I think it's something we do quite poorly. Uh, you mentioned Scotland Town uh, Towns Partnership Partners. Sorry, I, I'm not familiar with that. What Scotland's that? Towns Partnership. Yeah. Yeah. It's actually run by an Irish guy. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we have a great sort of another thing that I've set up is an Irish Towns Diaspora Network to try and identify the Irish people. 
you know, good, great Irish people who are working abroad who we can sort of, you know, again, piggyback off. Um, so, yeah, I'd agree with you, you know, in terms of the of the private sector. I mean, I have two dissertations, you know, going back, whatever, you know, to my undergrad, postgrad days, looking at how you do regeneration um, and how you do empowerment and partnership. So I would agree with you. I mean, I think the opportunity, the exciting thing for me is trying to create those partnerships, you know, where you get value and you add value and, and you're trying to create a richness to the system. I mean, it's about process. It's, it's not about sort of getting from A to B as quickly as you can. It's getting A to B, building and creating capacity um, and knowledge and sharing knowledge and making sure that whatever public spending, you know, whatever monies that you're spending from the public purse um, have value. You know, I mean, my background's economics. There's absolutely no way we sh should be spending money unless it's of value. So it's about value for money, VFM. And, you know, it, it sounds good when you talk about creating partnerships. And I think anybody who's done that successfully knows it's challenging, but it's challenging when you're creating partnerships from the ground up. But actually, in a lot of these areas, it's it's much more complicated than from the ground up, because actually there's a history to it. You know, there has been maybe decades of breaches of trust between whether it's the policymakers, the placemaking side, the public sector or the private sector. And we see it across mistrust across the industry, mistrust um, in our planning process. And um, so actually start starting from scratch is difficult, but it would be easier than starting from a place where there have been where there's been poor placemaking, where there's been failed promises, where there's been, uh, you know, failed, uh, failed, yeah, very, failed very delivery. So. Yeah, Carol, I mean, like those sort of damaged relationships, you know, I'm thinking of Tipperary Town where they marched in the streets, 5,000 people, and then I got a phone call asking would I help, and I'm still working with Tipperary, you know, haven't left them. I, I'm very fond of the civic and business leaders down there, and I mean, I suppose as well, it's about, you know, people, getting people um, like myself and others, you know, people who care, um, and who want to do the hard slog. Um, I mean, you know, sort of rebuilding communities or helping communities, supporting communities, and that includes the business leaders. It's not easy, you know? So, I mean, it, it's not going to happen overnight. Um, and yes, there are some towns that are, as I say, good to go. You know, it's really, really important that those towns realize that they need to come together, that those leaders, you know, you need to find young people that will be leaders in the future to try and be sustainable. Um, part of my belief about sustainability is that we must bring on young people. So, I mean, that's one of the core things um, of the programme, which actually was a necessity at the start due to a lack of funding, but is now part of our USP because we work with the students and they're telling us what they want. Um, young people, you know, they're saying they don't want a car, they want to live in town centres, they want to be able to walk everywhere. Um, and that gives me hope, you know, but yeah, definitely it's not easy. And I, you know, I think sometimes maybe policymakers don't actually understand because they're not in the trenches with us. You know, um, and uh, that's always been, as I say, going back to my uh, postgrad days, community empowerment takes time. And, it and to me, it's a craft. You know, you have to sit down and listen. And it's funny because one of the ministers asked me, you know, what do you do when you go into a town? And I said, I would spend the first three months listening to people. Listen, you know, what do you need? What, how can I help you? And not telling people what to do, but just sitting. And, and also part of that involves maybe sitting with somebody who's very upset, um, who, you know, has had a very bad experience with planning. And it's all about trying to sort of make sure that we can get over that, that they've given they're given a voice that they can sort of lance that boil and and get on and we can help them. I can help them move on. Um, but I mean, that that is fundamental. You have to be realistic. There, there are problems there in the past that need to be addressed. One of the things that I do do with the projects that, you know, I set up, we um, you know, I, I made sure that we have a rotating chair. So when we have a steering group uh, every month, it's a different chair. Um, and that really helps with the team spirit, you know, so we would have the credit unions, we'd have the Leo office, 
you know, if we're lucky enough to have a bid in the town, it would be the manager of the bid. <coughs> and then as well, Carol, you know, and then I suppose it goes back to when we were all at school playing in teams, you know, um, if we're lucky enough to play a lot of sports, it, it's, you know, I insist that we all go for lunch afterwards, you know, so there's a team lunch. Um, but as I say, it's a rotating chair. So it's interesting because even with Tipperary, they sort of said to me, are you going to come in and, and sort of chair this? And I was like, no, no, I'm going to come in and facilitate and do capacity building. And every time we meet, there will be somebody else will be um, enabled to have a voice at this table. And, um, you know, I, I love that you prioritize listening because it is such an. I think maybe it's one of the tokenistic elements of some of our our regulatory public consultation or statutory public consultation. And I remember a number of years ago when I was doing some research around this and, and trying to, I suppose, find innovative ways that we could use technology to engage communities. One of the books I read uh, was by a guy, David, I think it's Ausberger, and he had this beautiful quote, which really struck at me. And it said that being heard is so or being heard is so close to, to the feeling of being loved that mm. for most people it's indistinguishable so actually if you can really make people feel like they've been heard mm -hmm. they feel like they've been loved it, it, and and that sounds like That's a lovely. stretch in placemaking but actually it, it's that the feelings are so close they're indistinguishable to, yeah. to most people well it, um, it is i mean empowerment to me is um it's a psychological thing right so what you're trying to do is psychologically empower people. You can empower by financial education as well. I mean, there's different theories of, of, of empowerment. As I say, going back to my postgrad days, that was my postgrad dissertation, looked at Sherry Arnstein's ladder of participation. So like the word consultation is banned in the program. We don't use it. I insist that we do not use it. It's all about participation and engagement. Um, and as I say, capacity building, um, you know, consultation is, is, as you say, Carol, it hasn't been done very well, maybe in planning in Ireland, but that's not what we're about. We're about the Aarhus Convention. We are yeah. about um, public participation. Well, I am, I, in, in defence, <coughs> excuse me, I'm losing my voice here, but in defence <laughs> of, of a consultation, I do believe that public consultation has moved on. And in fact, just you referenced there, uh, Arnstein's uh, ladder of participation. I've, we've actually just done a body of work to try um, almost bring that into the technological age. So actually that, that's being rolled out on social media at the moment. Um, basically what this ladder of participation looks like when we can integrate it with emerging technologies like augmented reality and things like that. So yeah. it's amazing. Yeah. The foundational principles still stand. Oh, um, absolutely. And I mean, some of the old theories are the best. And I mean, Sherry Arnstein, definitely. I mean, that ladder of participation has been my guiding light throughout my, my working life. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it, it, it occurs to me, Ali, that from the time you designed this program to now, a, a lot of factors have converged to make your work a lot more difficult. So, I mean, not just the housing crisis, uh, not just our, um, I suppose, failure to deal with vacancy in the way that most people would have liked to have seen it uh, dealt with. We've got changes in retail and then, of course, COVID, which is brought some behavioural changes. Mm. So actually, from the time you sat down and decided, you know, designed this programme, you know, had, there had to be changes made to accommodate the last few years. Oh, yeah, very much so. I mean, you know, uh, it's interesting what you're saying about COVID because, um, you know, uh, I suppose I was getting the surveys that we were doing maybe in Dundalk and Tralee. I'm thinking that was around 2019. 
And it was very clear that a lot of those towns were not digitally, you know, um, online. They were, they were not selling online. They were, there was no presence online. Um, so, you know, when, when lockdown started then in, in March 2020, I was actually really upset because I knew that these towns were really going to get hit hard. Um, and if you look at Sligo as well, you know, we obviously published the Sligo CTCHC, I think it was in 2020, we had a lot of the work done. Um, but the surveys in Sligo, you know, a lot, uh, I mean, Sligo is very unique in terms of the online spend is massive, it's huge, and it's not on websites that are Sligo based websites. So, you know, it's it's about, I suppose, trying to get that message through to the policymakers. And that was why, you know, it was so important that the town centre first policy had to come in. And then, as you can remember, it took a bit of time for that policy to be prepared. And, and all of us who are working together since 2016, were very frustrated, you know, that the town centre first, to me, there was an urgency. Um, and I think that that urgency is still there critically. And, um, and I'm not sure if that is, you know, that I'm not sure if that's been heard um, all the time, you know, because like we, we still don't have the data sets that were required at a macro level. Um, you know, we put, I put out, I think, a, a tweet yesterday on Twitter or whatever, saying, you know, we had met with the Department of Housing in 2018, myself, Space Engagers, Dr. Philip Crow, Tom Gilligan of vacanthomes.ie and, and the Housing Agency. And we had presented and pitched a proposal that we had worked up and spent many, you know, hours working up, um, thinking about it and preparing the document about how to do a digital macro um, vacancy database. Um, and we didn't really get much sort of hearing, you know. Um, and that was 2018. So, yeah, I mean, I do think that policymakers need to listen. They really do. And I mean, going back to what we were talking about there about participation, I mean, you know, practitioners like myself who are dyed in the wool um, believers in capacity building and, you know, empowerment and bringing places on. And when you say bring a place on, you mean the community as well. And there's no point like places are not places without people. Um, but I do think that the policymakers need to shift towards that. And also with the Green Deal and directives coming from Europe in June. Uh, building passports you know we need to get ready there's a whole wave there's a whole change in how things are going to be done in Europe and Ireland needs to to shift to me that's the exciting opportunity for us to do it all collectively together but I suppose what I would really say and I was saying this you know to UCD recently as well that I just wish that policymakers would listen to practitioners who are trying their hardest to um to get on board with this European cultural shift the move towards the new European Bauhaus all of those things that to me are just really, really exciting. Um, Ali, if the policymakers aren't listening to the practitioners and they're not listening to the community, how are they shaping policy? Well, I, I just think that maybe, you know, the ecosystem needs to be richer, okay? So, you know, I'm looking at it, my, my background's economics, so I'm kind of looking at it in a strategic way. So you're looking at, you know, other countries, what do they have? You know, Scotland's got 40 business improvement districts, okay? Like we've got three town centre bids in this country. We've got um, Drogheda, Dundalk and Sligo. And then we've got Dublin Town, which is a city bid. And then I believe there's a bid out in uh, Sandyford Business Park. So, you know, if you're talking about historic town cores, we've got three, right? Um, also, Scotland's got Scotland's Towns Partnership, which we already said we don't have in Ireland, okay? So we don't have the 40 bids, even though we've had legislation in the country since 2006. So, I mean, you know, we need a strategy for bids. We need to look at the Dutch model that they're actually moving ahead. They're not, they've now got community improvement districts, which going back to what we were saying, it's not just about businesses, it's bringing the communities in as well. And that to me would speak to a more sort of holistic approach where you're trying to get people back into your town centers. So it's commercial, retail, it's civic, it's residential, it's everything together. So yeah, the Dutch with their community improvement districts. 
Um, also data. I mean, where are you without the data? Like, you know, we really do need to play catch up and create those dashboards. Um, the European Commission's Euro Cities Initiative is really pushing digital dashboards. It's something that the CTCHC programme has been um, advocating for for several years. You know, they still don't exist. The beauty of the digital and getting all that sort of information so that the community can look at the data and have the data and the business leaders, it's something that I fundamentally believe in and have been talking about again. You know, it's about the democratization of data. We have to get that data out there. And when we create the data, so our, the data that we have in the CTCHC program is primary data. We have created it by doing the surveys and doing the mapping with the business leaders and the community leaders walking with us, walking around the towns, doing that mapping. Uh, we don't charge. We don't charge for our data. We're trying to add value to our systems and to our decision making. And that's the fundamental that it is about the democratization of data. Um, I, I agree with you absolutely that uh, we need to know the information before we, we can act on it. But I, I, I suppose I, I'm conscious that you're doing this across such a such a range of towns. So, you know, maybe just before before we wrap up, we might just kind of get specific about one particular area. So you mentioned that you've a, a you've a report due to issue on Kilrush. Is that right? Yes, that's right. Yeah. Okay, so that's that's a place where I think most people, you know, who have visited there, you know, over the last number of years will be quite shocked. You know, there's a very obvious level of dereliction in the town and, and vacancy, which is a shame. And and I, I used to live in Listowel, so we would get the ferry across to Kalimer and come up through uh, Kil Kilki and Kilrush. And Kilrush are some of the most beautiful um, um, traditional shop fronts you know it's, it's a very instagrammable town and unfortunately most of them are empty you know you're seeing the occasional new bakery or coffee shop or something like that but in terms of a, a thriving town center like what kind of specifics were you able to uncover there well, I mean, obviously, it's trying to get that baseline. Okay, so phase one of the CTCHC program is to create that baseline with the 15 steps. And then phase two is looking at, you know, the building condition. So I have a methodology, which we're just about to pilot in Tipperary. So yeah, going back to Kilrush, absolutely beautiful. Such a pretty town. Um, but I mean, you would know with the market square, maybe, you know, it's sort of, it's been taken over by cars. I mean, a lot of our towns, particularly historic cores, were designed and built and the form and fabric was created before cars. Uh, okay, so I think we need to sort of get back to that thinking. Um, and, and those places, you know, are shared um, spaces, um, historic shared spaces, you know, so again, the car wasn't there. Um, you know, you've got your sort of laneways and slips and things like that. So yeah, I mean, I do think, you know, the market house in the middle of Kilrush, we really need to, we need to have some kind of um, flagship project where that where that public space is is um, designed to the best of our ability okay so it really is about design urban design and making sure that those buildings you know we can't one of the things for me the frustration is we you know there's been a lot of public realm improvements and you sort of think okay are we just going to keep doing the public realm and not look at the buildings I mean it's all one it has to, it should be you know that that that, that to me again going back to the sort of crafting of our town centers you know it is like it's like an art okay and we need to get back to that we need to get back to the creativity um and talking to the civic leaders the business leaders about the stories of the families that were in the building so we can understand the cultural significance again i think you know we, we did a visual a few years ago about the, the the data gaps sorry the macro gaps right at um at a national level so you know obviously there's not enough information on vacancy a lot of the times we can't identify who the owners are but fundamentally the cultural significance of 
of those buildings, of those streets, of those places, of those historic town cores. Um, we have lost that story. We've lost that connection. Um, and I think during lockdown, a lot of people reconnected because they were sort of slowing down. They were walking, they were walking around their towns. There was no cars, as many as there would be because people weren't commuting anymore. So people did reconnect with their built heritage um, and with those um, small towns in a way that, again, you were asking me earlier. I mean, that's that to me is one of the, the opportunities of the lockdown. So the lockdown hasn't all been negative. People have definitely felt um, you know, I suppose it was maybe a psychological thing as well that people wanted to reconnect with their place, but also which was really lovely for me was that the diaspora then started to get in touch as well, you know, because they wanted to um, get in touch or, you know, reconnect with their um, places. So, yeah, it's all been very, very good. And um, Kilrush, definitely, that's the first step. They, they're delighted. They, they, they were saying it was the best project that they'd worked on last year was the CTCHC. Clare County Council as well have been an enormous support. Um, and it's really just trying to harness what we've learned and how do we take them on then through to phase two. Um, are there examples of towns, small rural towns in Ireland or, or you know, ones that maybe previously would have been market towns that are really thriving? Uh, you know, do we have any examples of towns that are doing this well? Um, yeah, well, I mean, Dundalk with their business improvement district, um, Martin McElliott has been working, you know, really earnestly and diligently up there all through lockdown. So, I mean, Dundalk has definitely, it's been on some journey because, you know, when I met Martin, um, you know, uh, I think I was introducing him to the planners and the local authority. It was, again, making those connections. I think a lot of the stuff is about connections, right? Which, you know, I, Irish people are very, very good at. And again, you know, one of the things I would love to see is like a minister for networks, you know, where everybody can be sort of networked. Um, oh, there's another town then, Feathered and Tipperary, which, which I was working with, um, with the Irish World Towns Network, which I set up a few years back before the CTCHC. Um, trying to think, uh, Letter Kenny, yeah, has got, like really what you need is a decent chamber and you need a decent bid, okay? So, I mean, those towns that don't have those chambers, they really need to sit down and think, okay, should we set up a chamber? Should we do something? Because it's very hard for people like myself as a practitioner who loves towns to go in and help people unless I, you know, if I can't see an entity there that I can work with, that yeah. makes it really, really difficult because then I have to try and create it, which maybe loses me maybe about a year and a half, yeah? So okay. I, would, I would say to those towns, you know, you're asking me about, you know, towns are at different speeds. Yeah. And I keep saying to people who are in towns who maybe approach me and say, can you help us? And I say, don't be thinking if you don't do anything at your stand still, you're not because another town will help itself. So you actually go backwards. So everybody needs to now work for the good of their towns, for the good of the country, try and crack this housing crisis and make sure that our young people have somewhere decent to live, preferably in our town centres. Um, Ali, I'm, I'm such a huge admirer of the work that you do and that you have been doing um, since I've known you. I know that you're working away on the, the chipping away at the policymakers, even if they're not listening um, in, the, in the way that you might like. I know you're chipping away at that. I know you're involving the, the communities, I suppose, for our listeners here who would tend to kind of be more on the industry side of it. You mentioned their town centres cannot be fixed without the private sector what can they do well i mean basically what we need uh, the private sector to do is to work in partnership with ourselves you know there's people like i mean i came from the private sector to this job um i'm a great believer in the private sector i mean anything that i've worked on i'm trying to make sure that we create the conditions where we take the risk out of it we make things viable 
um, and we make sure that the private sector can come in. For me, what was really, really encouraging in the last two years is, is that the de developers started to phone me and sort of say, we're really enjoying, really liking what you're doing, keep going. So yeah, I mean, the more phone calls that I get from developers or business people, that, that to me is telling me that I'm doing something right. Okay, delighted. Look, hopefully uh, today when this goes out to the industry, hopefully that phone will ring again and you, you'll have more developers and more people who are genuinely passionately committed to creating great places and getting in touch with you to support the great work that you're doing. Uh, thank you so much for joining us today. That was Ali Harvey, founder of the Collaborative Town Centre Health Check Programme within the Heritage Council. We need to take a quick break now. Stay tuned.